Meglin and I'm your host for the Merry Writer podcast. Unfortunately, Rachel can't join us today, but it's all right because I have a guest with me. We are on episode 71 and this week's question is, how do you approach writing historical fiction? Before we begin, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening so you never miss a show and if you enjoy our episode, do give it a like. Now, since neither Rachel nor I actually write historical fiction yet, we have invited onto the show author Anne Clare. Anne, it is lovely to have you with us. So lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me. No, that's no problem. I have to say, Anne's very sweet. She's actually joining us at 6.30 a.m. her time, (laughs) which is terrifying to the rest of us. (laughs) But with that said, tell us a bit about your writing background. You know, like how long you've been writing? When did you start? Anything like that? Absolutely. I've always enjoyed writing. It was something I think a lot of people have the same story. I started when I was little and wrote little stories. And I used to dictate to my cousin and then I'd illustrate and put them together and things like that. I didn't really pursue it as an adult, at least not toward publication, because I wanted to be a teacher since I was seven years old. Aimed everything toward that. uh, And that kept me quite busy for a long time. But I still kind of got to got got to keep up with the writing a little bit as I worked with my students in creative writing and things like that. But again, I just I didn't really have a chance to pursue it until when I took some time off from teaching to be a stay-at-home mom when my second child was born. I was home a lot more and it wasn't like there was much spare time. (laughs) But in what was it, 2016, our household plumbing broke. (laughs) Which was awful. Yeah. (laughs) And yes. Yes, it was months of a third of our house being closed off and everything packed into one room. And I had the three kids and I all together all the time. And we couldn't really go anywhere because my husband was commuting and repair people were coming at all hours and the bills were mounting and it was just insanely stressful. (laughs) And that's when writing came back, which was kind of an awesome surprise blessing out of the whole thing. I ended up needing some escapism. I had this crazy dream of this story set in World War II and I just wanted to go somewhere but I couldn't so I started writing it down in journals and things like that for fun and after I got about two-thirds of the way through I thought I could probably turn this into a book (laughs) and that's where it started. It obviously took a lot of work after that first draft because it was terrible but But yeah, so since that time, I've been blogging and working on, let's see, my second novel. I am a slow novelist with still kids and now some part-time teaching. But yeah, that's kind of how I got back into it. And I'm pretty well hooked. So I, I can appreciate the stress of something like that happening. I mean, about eight months ago, we had to completely change our heating system. We had, <sighs> we, we had oil central heating so it all had to come Mm -hmm. out so the gas central heating could be put in the road was drilled up it took months and then we had to have the the electric stone in the whole house up and emptying the entire Mm -hmm. house into somebody else's basement and getting (sighs) up at like six in the morning to get out of the guy's way just I mean and it feels like it's still gone on there's just been things so the idea of of like being condensed down into one room with (laughs) I mean I, I don't have children so I can't imagine children who obviously want attention and want to, to, to play. And no wonder you had the writing outlet come rushing back in. <laughs> it was, we need to do something here. Something that, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, home repair is not fun. <laughs> oh, no, no, I, I can 100% attest to that. I am sick to death of them already. Oh. <sighs> 
But with that said, let us dive into this topic of historical fiction. So Mm -hmm. how do you go about researching before you actually start writing? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And honestly, um, with that first book, since it was sort of, you know, (laughs) a spur of the moment start, I did not do that well, which um, I wouldn't advise just researching as you go, because of course I went into this thinking, well, it's World War II. We learned about that in school. You know, I kind of know what's going on with that. So I started writing and immediately started hitting walls of all these things. What is that word? I I didn't even know what Dunkirk was when that came up as a reference. That's not as much... it's not as much, I wouldn't say it's not as much of a big deal um, in the U.S., but it wasn't covered, I don't think, or maybe I just forgot it. (laughs) Everyone keeps mentioning this. I should probably look it up. And that was the moment when I thought I need to study (laughs) a lot. Um, And and yes, so that first book I had to redo so much of the timeline and rewrite huge chunks of it because nothing matched up. So now (laughs) the process that I've found works a little bit better is first of all, going into it with a good idea of what time and place I want my characters to be in, you know, pick some interesting events and some interesting locales, and then try and read up on that time and place ahead of time a little bit. I like to try and find um, some firsthand accounts from the era, especially. I love being able to find the, the people who lived it. And of course, those books don't always have the benefit of hindsight and things like that. And, you know, there might be factual things that have come out since then that are off, but it really helps to give a flavor for what the era was like, you know, the language and the speech cadences and the terminology and things like that. Now, I have an advantage in writing historical fiction that happened in the 20th century, of course. Not everybody, <laughs> you know, if you're in medieval days and things, that's probably going to be a little less accessible, but that's where the internet is really one of those um, wonderful, wonderful things if it behaves itself <laughs> and if you're able to find good things because there's just there are access to so many different sources. Um, of course, providing you can find reliable sources to work with. Yeah, that's it. That's a big part of it. And then I also work on finding a lot of different nonfiction sources and just try and get a good broad picture of what's going on with world events in that time and in that specific area era and area. And then I tend to just sort of do the first draft and go down lots of rabbit holes as I do it (laughs) and try and double check things. But then with the second draft, I go through and highlight all of the things that I need to look up. And it's ridiculous. I mean, literally hundreds of things. And it can be just a one sentence, uh, throwaway sentence. But if I don't have the shoes right, (laughs) or I don't have the right, someone's going to know. So that's that's kind of the second round and the third round and the fourth round and on and on forever. <laughs> You're not encouraging me to start writing historical fiction right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> but the lovely thing is, the lovely thing, this might, this might be a better encouragement, is that when the plot gets a little sticky and you're not quite sure what you want to happen, the history can really help drive it because you can find just these fascinating little details like, oh, at this time, these people were here. Well, what if my character runs into some of them? Or at this time, you know, if it's medieval fiction or something, you could have someone new ascending the throne and how that would impact things or different holidays or, you know, the history can really help enrich the fiction and also drive it forward. So the world building's there for you, I guess. Yes, unlike, you know, fantasy and other genres, you just have to mine for it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So going on from that, do you pick like an era you think, I really like the idea of like World War II. And then as you research it, a plot comes. Or do you have a basic idea of a plot with characters saying, I want this character to, you know, go on a journey. Hmm, What would fit? And then you sort of fit the plot into that. Uh, which Which way do you do that? 
I tend to have a basic plot first. Well, the first book I had, yeah, I had that dream, which was sort of the climax of the story and just turned into, well, how could these people end up in this alleyway with all these things happening? With the second one, um, which I'm almost ready to release, that was more of a question of, all right, can I give you a little, a little history? Yep. Okay. All right. (laughs) So I've mostly focused on, um, Italy in World War II, largely because, and this is silly, but when I started doing research anyway, I thought, let's learn about an area I really don't know anything about. So (laughs) I started researching the history of Italy in World War II because I just, I didn't know much about it. And I thought it would be an interesting area. I'd never seen a lot of writing on it. And there's um, a section of the battle where the allies had stalled because they were all moving northward through Italy and they stalled at this line of German defenses. And so the idea came forth um, from the higher ups to send and a group of American and British troops sailing around the line and coming behind on this beachhead called uh, the beachhead called Anzio. And in theory, you know, okay, they come in from behind, and everyone attacks from the front, and you break through, and it's all done. It didn't work out that way because the guys on the beachhead got stranded basically for five months because they didn't have enough people. <laughs> And it was pretty awful, really, because you've got five months, I believe, now if I'm remembering, it's the beachhead was only, what, seven miles deep or 15? I can't remember which direction it went. I have to have all my notes. I do use notes when I write these things so I get my numbers right. And I had run into a reference about this place. And part of the interesting thing too is this was a place where the medical staff, like the nurses, this was one of the first times when women were over in combat zones for the U.S., um mm-hmm, yeah the the army nurse corps went over into north africa with the troops and then up through sicily and through italy and usually they were pretty rear echelon well in anzio there wasn't a rear echelon because it was so shallow that the the hospital area actually got nicknamed hell's half acre because it got shelled so often and just awful things i mean it was a really really bad place which makes for interesting writing it's <laughs> 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 horrible yes yes I'd read an account and I thought it would be interesting to write about this area because again, I it's a pretty major place in, in history, but I didn't know much about it ahead of time. I ran into one historical reference where someone mentioned that since the American and German lines were so close, it was pretty common for people to be taken prisoner and then just escape and walk back to their lines. <laughs> you know, which I'm sure wasn't as easy as it sounds, but that kind of intrigued me. It's like, what would that look like? And so I end up with this whole crazy um, POW escape plot going on and things like that based off the location and just that one little tidbit. And then it was doing lots of research to make sure I could make it plausible <laughs> and, and make sense. So long answer to short question. Sorry. <laughs> like I, I've never, I've never heard of that. I mean, I'll be honest, even with, even with the Dunkirk thing, it's like, it is a lot more known in the UK and mm-hmm. Like I remember my family members like would talk about it. I think some of my family members were on that beach. So it kind oh, of wow. around. But I do remember in school it still wasn't touched on enough. I think the things I know about it were not from school. Mm-hmm. I always feel like the history you got from school was never really detailed. I think we did more mm-hmm. about you know the London fire and the Black Death than we did about World War Two, which you feel like sure. maybe that was more important, you know. <laughs> Literally affected grandparents. But hey, no, yeah. the one about the, the Black Death again every year. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I've never heard of that. That's uh, oh god, learning everything is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's an interesting era, and I'm always fascinated by just how many impacts on life today I run into. Uh, my son's obsessed with box macaroni and cheese. 
obsessed. We call him the Mac Man. And guess when that became a big meal in the U.S. because of rationing? I know, right? <laughs> everything. Yeah, it seems like everything has World War II connections. So it's I enjoy I enjoy finding the the little history tidbits, and then I have to restrain myself from info dumping everything into books. So <laughs> that's why I blog. <laughs> Yeah. historical fiction would probably be the one where you kind of want to sort of get a lot out especially because as you said like like world war ii it wasn't just well this was happening it's like so many countries which means different cultures different mm-hmm. protocols everyone doing things you know different time frames in different you know it's like so much going on and you mm-hmm. kind of want to make it really rich with with all this stuff so yeah i can i, I could probably imagine if i did start writing historical fiction i would be like having to cut like pages and pages you can't add yeah. all of this huge <laughs> comb nobody's gonna be <laughs> that big <laughs> they probably don't actually care about that but <laughs> appendices so interesting <laughs> <laughs> oh, my favorite thing I learned this last year with this one was um, I was looking up socks <laughs> um, that the American soldiers would wear because I needed to find out if it would be possible to identify American socks <laughs> from the other socks other people would wear. It's a plot point. It comes in. <laughs> and oh, I discovered wow. <laughs> you, you can buy World War II socks on eBay if you really wanted to also. So, you know, there's all kinds of, I, yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I, I didn't go for that but you could and they did a brand name sewed on the toes so it all worked for my story and it's perfect because the thing you said earlier is like you have to get these little details right because oh wow that one person that one person who just happens to know will be the first one to make a review that says you got this wrong you know they, they yes. didn't wear that hat you know you know it is a little that. terrifying <laughs> <laughs> that part that part's always a little bit scary yeah yeah. Oh. Okay, so what's the biggest hurdle in writing historical fiction? Well, I think probably the biggest one is just that there are so many research rabbit holes to go down. I mean, you could spend so much time on individual sentences. And while the internet's a tremendous help, of course, not all sources are uh, created equal. You have to look at where they come from because you can have some, you know, wonderful, tremendous resources. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff out there. Again, 20th century fiction, the Imperial War Museums have wonderful archives online and that's so helpful. And the U.S. um, Center of Military History has like entire battle records and things you can read through. So if you've got a character in that, you can pretty well put them into the right places and uh, there's lots of books and things but it takes a lot of culling and you can find a lot of sources that um don't cite where they're from so you don't actually know if well is this any good is this not that's a great tidbit but I have no idea if they made it up or not (laughs) so it's it's challenging to assemble your sources and to find the balance between um I guess what I call the fiction card (laughs) and the realistic things, you know, I I like to try and make sure that everything in my stories could have happened to somebody probably didn't happen to somebody, but could have happened. But there come those moments where you just have to say, um, this is fiction and play the fiction card and hope that it's all right. And, and finding that balance is definitely challenging. Yeah, I think especially with the sources, because I know so many people go, oh, it's Wikipedia. And it's like, nah, <sighs> anyone can write in Wikipedia. And until it's been checked, and even then sometimes it's still not been fully sourced. It's like, it's not the best. So it might be good to, to give you a jumping off point to maybe mm-hmm. give terms that you can then research. But And the nice thing is too, when it lists the sources at the bottom, because it kind of directs you toward, okay, where did you get this from? And then you can double check. Yeah. But yeah, some of them, I... <laughs> 
I think I wrote a post about this. I actually um, accidentally ended up on a, a neo-Nazi site once. <laughs> that was a surprise. <laughs> I know. And it, you wouldn't be able to tell from looking at it, but I was researching. Oh, I don't remember. I was researching something and I was looking up um, one of the German leaders and things like that. And I went on the site and it wasn't obvious. I mean, there weren't like big swastikas or anything like that on the page. And I'm, I just started reading through the site and all of a sudden it's like, oh, it was Poland's fault they got invaded? Okay. <laughs> started throwing out quotes from like um, FDR and Churchill and things. And it was interesting because the site made it sound very much like, oh, these are very bad quotes, but I'd read the books the quotes were from. <laughs> And they were all out of context. And so it was all being used, you know, to make a certain case. I got about halfway through, I'm like, this, wait a second. <laughs> and, you know, eventually go to the, oh, okay, so this is where this is from. But it would be very easy for an unwary person to, or, you know, someone who hadn't had the background with those specific books to read through this and go, oh, wow, this is earth shattering. Nothing is as I saw as I thought it was. So, yeah, it's really important to cross reference and cross check yourself too and see, you know, okay, I found this in one place is it anywhere else and if it is someplace else is it cut and pasted from this original site and someone's just you know borrowing the same information and passing it around because that's not really multiple sources that's just yeah. the, same, <laughs> the oh. same thing that's, yeah that's kind of subtle it's, it's like you do assume like if you know there's like neo-nazis <laughs> you'd expect it to be this kind of like in your face so you're thinking whoa you think so. but the idea no it was subtle <laughs> I don't want to say it was, yeah, well done, but it was like um, subtly done. That's a good word for it. It was interesting. Uh, just a, just a, on a random part with when you were talking about your, like sourcing and everything, mm -hmm. have you ever done or considered like reaching out to like an expert or like contacting someone in you know like who, like an expert in like a museum who deals with that or someone in academia who's like yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah people who know what they're doing more than yes <laughs> that's a good question uh you know I am a Midwesterner by birth and I think it's a I think it's a cultural trait in that area we don't like to ask for help. And I'll admit in that, and it's not so much a pride thing. It's more about, I don't like to bother anybody. <laughs> that's, that's, that's Midwest nice. I don't know if that's other places too. So with the first book, honestly, I lurked on a lot of sites and chats where there were <laughs> people talking and I collected quite a library of things from experts and things like that. I was, I was probably too hesitant to ask for help. And I think things still worked out well. I've had, I've had very good feedback from people from the areas and people with some know-how and stuff like that but it was I think I made it a lot harder on myself than I probably had to and I, it would have been good to ask other people <laughs> a little bit more after I decided that it wasn't going to be just a one book thing yes I've worked more on reaching out to people um working also on a novella and actually I found some great contacts actually in my state which is exciting for me hey there's some stuff in the United States that I could visit instead of you know <laughs> using the internet and looking at things and the lovely thing is that people who are into history and I think I, I'm hope, hoping this is um, general to most people, but especially I've noticed in World War II history, people who are interested in it, they like to talk about it. They like to share what they know about it because this is the thing they're into and who else are they going to talk to about, <laughs> you know? And hopefully it's the same with other historical fiction um, eras as well. But yeah, 
the lady I spoke to at that museum sent me PowerPoints for presentations she does and sent me books that she likes to use for sources and all kinds of stuff and has been there for questions. Another really valuable resource I've found too is an author's group that I'm on um, through through Facebook, actually. There's a Second World War II club on there, which I, I don't remember where I found. It's been a while, but it's tons of different authors who write in this era and several of them are nonfiction authors and historians and several of them are fiction authors and things like that and that's been a tremendous resource and a number of them are people who lived over there during this time this last book I had to find out about car starters German trucks and how they started and things like that because they didn't all use keys <laughs> or many of them didn't use keys especially military vehicles they have a starter or um, even the crank and I was able to network with this lady whose husband and was a driver of British vehicles, I think, around that era, but he'd also driven German. Yeah, just all these weird connections <laughs> and all these little things. So yes, I'd highly recommend talking to <laughs> talking to people. If, if you're writing in 20th century, people who lived it or who um, know about it, because again, I've not had anyone I've asked questions of who was unwilling to share and willing to talk. If you're writing older things, of course, that's going to be more difficult. But again, that's where museums and curators and things are probably going to be some of your best sources, just because that's where you can get a look, um, get an actual physical look at some of the history that we just can't see in day-to-day -day life anymore. Yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of people, if they're passionate about a subject, they do want to share it. It's, it is mm -hmm. important. They get all excited. It's like, oh my gosh, somebody wants to know about this here <laughs> yes I'm on the tour kind of feeling so like yeah I'd mm -hmm. be quite yeah it's uh it's quite good to that, that people are so willing to be open with their knowledge and you know like, like you said like you know giving you books that they got sources out of that's brilliant because then you've got time to go back and, and do your own research knowing that they it's a really good source that they've recommended mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. yeah. okay this may be the last question although I'm aware that I've been throwing in extra questions so <laughs> <laughs> this no worries I, I i like to talk if you <laughs> <laughs> okay in that case what advice would you give someone who is interested in writing historical fiction? okay first of all i'd say um my first advice is when you're considering it you know think about your era think about what you want to write and do see what you can do for networking you know look into what resources you're going to have available um if there's anything in your area or if there's something that you can access online um like we talked about if there are museums in the area or curators or things like that there are so many wonderful sources available and a lot of them are online now which is great um, in the U.S. there's a lot in the National Archives and the Library of Congress that you can access online some of it's on site but there, there's a lot out there if you are willing to dig for it or one of my favorite resources um, for World War II in Britain was BBC did this thing called the People's War Archives where they just interviewed people yes BBC, it's amazing oh I could read yeah it's a rabbit hole I could go down for a really really long time so I try not to go there <laughs> But yeah, take a little bit of time. And and if you get excited about a story, you might not be able to stop and look first. But if you are able to, take some time and see what you can find, because that can direct where your story is going to go and also kind of help you gauge just how deep you're going to have to mine for this information. And, and there are people who write, you know, from all sorts of eras. I know one lady who writes prehistorical fiction, like prehistory things, and does tons of research on those areas. Um, and some people who write about, you know, the Roman days and, and, and ancient Greece 
Greece and all sorts of places. There are a lot of resources and a lot of opportunities. It's just a matter of finding them. And that's where networking comes into. If you can find other people interested in your era and other writers too, and a lot of them are online, um, that can be really helpful. If I can throw one person out, Trisha Fay is a historical author. Um, and she runs a Facebook group just with different historical fiction authors and things like that. And, you know, there's a lot of different, different groups available where you can find other people. And in general, I've noticed that it's much more of a community than a competition sort of feeling uh, between those different authors too, because yeah, everyone, <laughs> everyone knows how hard it is to find those little tidbits and most people are pretty willing to share. Well, that's nice. Um, yeah. And and just, yeah, make sure you take the time to do the research because otherwise it will probably come and get you. <laughs> and then eventually when you've done your due diligence, you just have to let it go and say, okay, I've done the best I can. <laughs> Actually, I can imagine historical fiction is one of the hardest genres to go, okay, it's done. Because like, I mean, I write fantasy. And so obviously my research is into more simple things like, you know, what is the pieces of a saddle on a horse kind of thing? Because I might have to put a horse in there or something simple like that. I don't need to have something so intense as a historical era. And even then I can still get caught up with like, well, would, would the sun be that high on this day in this month? And I can mm-hmm. little tiny things and it can still be quite a lot of research. So the oh, yes excessive amounts of research needed and I can imagine there's always that like no oh, I need to check something else I need to check something else is that right is that- I sent my my second one to my formatter and I've been having nightmares <laughs> that I forgot something <laughs> so yeah hopefully not <laughs> But no, a little fantasy with all the world building, you have to be consistent though, especially if there's magic systems and things like that. See, I enjoy reading fantasy, but yeah, I I like having the framework of the history built for me already because everything, anytime I've tried to write fantasy things, it just turns into Tolkien, who I love, but (laughs) (laughs) it's like, nah, I can't do it. Oh yeah. pretty incredible that <laughs> I, end, I just end up with a world book and it's like goes down like currencies and then it's like different types of travel depending on different areas because not everyone has access to the same type of travel and then if I uh-huh. language and it can get to the part where you're thinking oh I've got a world book that's like 400 pages long and I guarantee I'm going to use about 10% of that <laughs> like you said little tiny throwaway sentence but it's in there Mm -hmm. you know but if anyone asks you know (laughs) well yes i do know how long it would take to get from here to here (laughs) yeah caught out with reader questions of throwing out something ridiculous (laughs) that is fantastic so i want to throw another question because thinking about like like the books you write and the amount of research just on a rough basis because I appreciate it's different for everyone and, and depending on the story and everything but how long does it usually take you to do research is it like the most amount is research and then writing is actually a lot smaller than the amount of time given to research or is it kind of equal or oh <laughs> I don't even know um I think that depending on on, I think the, the length of time you spend writing historical fiction is going to pay off, if that makes sense. With the first book, again, like I said, I was coming in pretty much from scratch and picking up, you know, the big, broad books. I mean, one of the first things I grabbed was like Churchill's History of the Second World War. I'm like, all right, this should cover a lot of it. <laughs> and that took, that took a while. But it did cover a lot of it. But then with my with my second book, since I chose to also set it in Italy, I had some background knowledge. And so the research, while still tricky, 
because um, just of different things I was trying to look into the medical systems and how the tents would be laid out and what the German medical system looked like, which is hard to find because a lot of the info on the German side of things is mostly with the camps and the atrocities and things like that versus the everyday. It was not as arduous though, because I already had an idea of the background. So I'd say, you know, <laughs> God willing, we get to a third book someday. If I'm in that same area, there's a lot to build off of, which would make it easier, if that makes sense. You're not starting from scratch each time if you're in the same era. However, it also depends on, you know, what era you're picking. Because if you look at World War II, I'd like to do some writing at some point in the Pacific theater as well, because that's one of those areas that doesn't get covered as much. But that means learning about islands and jungle terrain and geography of a whole, you know, different continent. <laughs> if we're getting over into Asia and things like that. So the rule... I'd say that writing and research are probably about equal for me because they just go hand in hand. I'll, I'll write things and I'll get on a groove and I'll be in my character's head and it'll be fine. And then, but what vehicle would they drive from here to there? <laughs> so, yeah. I think that, yeah, if you're writing in the same era for a while, it's going to not necessarily, I would say get easier, at least get a little bit smoother as, as you go. At least I hope so. <laughs> if people are trying to do historical fiction, I can imagine doing the first book would be the hardest because if you've never done that kind of research, it can be quite overwhelming, which is why I asked that question, just to kind of give mm -hmm. you an idea. Because obviously, if you're going in from like a fiction, um, a contemporary standpoint or like a fantasy standpoint it's mm -hmm. not the same level and people might be going oh yeah I can do that and then they hit with this wall of oh my gosh there's so much research but I think yeah I think as you get into a groove with it and then you figure out the best ways of, of kind of like compartmentalizing your information and everything it probably does get a little, little bit easier but mm -hmm. you don't have to buy the research books all over again <laughs> Which is good because my house isn't that big. <laughs> and the books are. <laughs> I can, yeah, they're big, huge things. <laughs> yes, the library is my friend. <laughs> when it's open again, ours is finally reopening. So that's good. I was oh. able to look at microfilm for the first time a little while ago. I, I felt like a spy. It's like, I'm reading microfilm. <laughs> oh, we don't have anything that fancy over here. <laughs> it was just a big machine at the library and the, the poor library couldn't figure out how to get it correct so it's all a mirror image so I was trying to make out the dates <laughs> and I take pictures of all the screens on my phone and take it home and flip it all on my computer so I could actually read the newspaper articles <laughs> it was spyish doesn't it it's it like, was a pro I know <laughs> I know she'll wear a trench coat or something <laughs> but it was summer so it was warm you know well this has been brilliant I, I it's like I I have read a few um historical fiction books and I do like the idea of trying to trying my hand at other genres so to get someone in who has done it to be able to sort of like pick your brain this has given me a lot of like ideas for the for the future which is bad because I already have too many ideas in fantasy. <laughs> I probably shouldn't be throwing in historical fiction oh more ideas is good <laughs> more ideas are good you <laughs> <laughs> to actually finish something that's what I need to do oh yeah I uh I really appreciate you coming on to the show and answering the many many questions I just kept throwing at you so I would like to give you an opportunity to talk to our readers and just tell us a bit about yourself you know throw out your website you know tell us about some of the books you've got coming out things like that all right um well hello everybody again I'm Anne I grew up in Minnesota's cornfields and dairy country, uh, but now I live in the Pacific Northwest of the U.S. I came out here to teach. Husband and I have 
three wild kids running around here. <laughs> and I also write, as we said, I've published one novel in 2019 titled Whom Shall I Fear, which is a World War II fiction. It's set in Britain and Italy with a little stop off in Egypt. So I got to research a lot for that. Uh, my second novel, Where Shall I Flee, which is the one set up around the Anzio beachhead with all kinds of crazy escape stuff, should be coming out at the end of summer. It's with my formatter and yeah, it's <laughs> almost time to release it into the wild. And there available on Amazon in paperback and ebook and also on Kindle Unlimited. I'm working on other projects as well, but for information on those, probably the easiest place to go is my WordPress site where I run a blog at the naptimeauthor.wordpress.com because I started writing it when my kids still took naps. It's a little outdated, but <laughs> I still dream of taking naps, so I guess it works. And there I blog about World War II history, writing, and other odds and ends. Or if you're on Facebook, I also have an author page there called Anne Claire, sharing stories of the Second World War. And if you like World War II fiction, I definitely recommend the Second World War Club group there as well. And if you end up on that, I'll see ya because there are lots of good sources there. And I have many, many books to read this summer from that site. <laughs> and I think that's about it. Okay, as always, all of the links and books and websites that have been mentioned will be listed in the description below. So you can click to them and whiz over and have a look. We'll definitely make sure to do that. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Do let us know if you write historical fiction or if you would like to. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Put it in the comments or on Twitter using the hashtag The Merry Writer Podcast. If you want to get yourself some extra content, head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash The Merry Writer Podcast. You can support our show for as little us one dollar a month and get some extra bonus content tune in next week for another episode of the mayor writer podcast where we ask all the right questions thanks for listening bye bye this podcast is brought to you by sticky notes our walls are covered the music titled inspired is by kevin mcleod licensed under creative commons 4.0